Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. Well, hello everyone. Um, it's good to see you guys on this kind of cold and gross day. Um, I'm Jimmy, the, the intern here at RUF, if you don't know me. Um, actually, uh, if, if you don't already know, this is my last semester here, which is, which is sad. Um, but because of that, Nathan has decided to give me a chance to take over his position as CM. Um, so that's why I'm up here. Um, I'm obviously kidding. No one could replace Nathan. Um, but, well, I'm thankful to be here with you guys tonight <laughs> um, and talk about friendship. We're going through a series um, on the wisdom for relationships. And if you've been with us the past couple of weeks, you'll actually notice that this is our third week talking about friendships. And let me just say that's not by accident. Uh, we here at RUF believe that friendship is so important. Uh, it's so important, in fact, that when you look at the first book of the Bible, Genesis, we see that God creates the heavens, the earth, the birds, the plants, the trees, and humans, right? And he sees all this stuff that he's created, and he says, it's good. Um, the one thing, though, that he says is not good is that man, Adam, is alone. He has no friends. He has no one to share paradise with. And so from the beginning of creation, we can see that we need companionship. We need friends. Um, even though I'm up here, I, I just want to say that I'm by no means an expert on friendship. Um, I'm still very much learning what a good friend is and how to be one. Actually, my view on friendships has changed over the years. Um, a lot of what I've learned comes from my past and current friendships. Uh, I've also learned a lot from being around good friends, being around bad friends, and being a friend and failing to be a friend myself. So a little bit about myself, actually. Um, I, I grew up, I didn't actually have too many close friends growing up. Um, when I was in elementary school, I was, a, I was like a homebody. So I would just stay inside playing Legos and playing my video games. Um, is, anyone, is anyone else here a home, homebody? Okay, so we have a few, yeah. Um, so that was me. I, I kind of just like stay inside. So after I would come back from school, I'd grab a snack, you know, maybe turn on some food network or um, go on my computer and play some, some games. And it wasn't until one of my really good friends, Griffin, who lived across the street from me, would come up knocking on my door that I would like go out and hang out with him. Um, and it wasn't like I wasn't the best at making that effort or taking the initiative to kind of seek out um, friendship. I mean, even when he lived right across the street, right? Like, talk about convenience. I could have literally just gone over and hung out with him as well, but it was always him coming over. Uh, it, later on in junior high and high school, I was kind of a floater. So I would float around different friend groups. I had my basketball friends. I had like my neighborhood friends. I had a few Asian friends that I would hang out with as well. Um, and I had some good friends in these groups, don't get me wrong. But a lot of them, if I'm being honest, didn't know who I was, and I didn't really know them that well. I experienced your typical friend drama. I had some falling outs. Um, but more often than not, most of my friends just grew more distant over time. Um, by the end of high school graduation, I was just craving deep, close, intimate friendships. And I was really hoping to find it in college. Maybe some of you can relate to this. I also want to be the first to say that friendships are hard. Like, let's just all acknowledge that. Um, 
it's not, we're not really in that stage of life anymore where you can just go up to someone in the playground and be like, hey, do you want to be my best friend? And then, you know, you're BFS all of a sudden. Um, I kind of wish it was still like that, but it's just not that simple anymore, right? So the question I want to ask you tonight is, how do we pursue friendship? And when I say pursue, I don't just mean making friends, but like maintaining friendships over the long haul. How do we cultivate meaningful and authentic friendships that last? I want to suggest that we can do so by going through the messiness of friendship. Instead of avoiding messiness or ignoring uh, when things get hard, I think we need to face hardship together with our friends. And I think when we're in true friendship, we'll actually pursue our friends with two things. We'll pursue them with compassion and through conflict. So my three points for tonight are actually, one, pursuing friends with compassion, two, pursuing friends through conflict, and three, the pursuit of a better friend. So first, pursuing friends with compassion. Um, Our Proverbs from 1824, like Emma read, says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So it's it's easy for us to be friends when, when things are easy, right? When life is good. But it's much harder when life gets difficult. I think the expression we we often use is fair weather friends, right? These are friends that are around for a good time, um, but they don't really know or care to know you. Um, You know, they don't really ask what you're struggling with or really check up on you if you're having a bad week. Sure, they'll like laugh with you and and go out and have fun with you, but maybe you're stressed out, anxious, or or insecure. Um, They don't really take the time to listen to you. And if they do listen to you, maybe they just say something like, you know, you'll get over it. Um, you'll forget about it. Let's, let's go out and have fun. But here the proverb is teaching us that a true friend will stick closer um, than a brother. They'll stick close to you through the highs and especially through the lows. Now, we, don't, we not only need these compassionate friends in our lives, but we can be compassionate friends to others as well. So I... One of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Job. Um, and the reason why I like it so much is it's this raw and honest examination of suffering. And we get this through Job's dialogue with God. So if, you don't, if you've never read it before, the story basically goes, there's this really wealthy, prosperous, godly man. Um, and he gets struck by tragedy after tragedy. So one day... He loses all of his flocks, like all, basically all of his wealth. The next moment, he, le- he loses all of his servants. And then he loses all of his children. And this is all like within a matter of minutes. So you can imagine like how devastated he is, right? And he's just in this excruciating grief. He's lost, he's lost everything he cares about. Um, his friends from like the next town over, they hear this and they come over to visit him. And when they come and see him, they don't even recognize him because he's just been, he's just covered in anguish. And like, he's visibly different. He can't even um, be recognized. And so what do they do? They sit with him in silence for seven whole days. Um, I mean, like some of us can, I think, barely stand like seven whole minutes of silence. And they sit with him for seven whole days. So like no one speaks a word to him. They just sit by with him. And they mourn. And, and back then, traditionally, they tear up their robes. They sprinkle dust on their heads. Um, and they're crying. 
These were compassionate friends. Later on, these, these same friends are actually really dumb and they, they try to explain his suffering when he hadn't done anything wrong. But the point I'm trying to make is that sometimes when our friends are going through the thick of it, we don't need to fix their problems. We just need to feel their pain. Uh, let me say that again. We don't always need to fix our friends' problems. Sometimes we just need to feel their pain. Um, as Ted Lasso said in, in episode one, uh, or season one, episode 10, he says, I promise you there's something worse out there than being sad. And that's being sad and being alone. Ain't nobody in this room alone. <laughs> this is the power of a compassionate friend. Uh, and don't get me wrong, this doesn't mean that we can't, there's not a time or place to help our friends with their problems. But what compassion does is it allows us to first see our friends as, as a person in need of a friend before we see them as problems in need of fixing. Like, does this make sense for you? If, like, I think the same is true for us if we think about it. Like, we don't always need someone there to solve our problems. Sometimes we just need someone to listen to us. I've had many friends um, who have showed me a lot of compassion. Um, most of the time when I'm having a hard day or when, you know, I've had a rough week or something's upsetting me, I actually will go back home uh, to my roommate, best friend, NJ, which some of you have met. And I'll kind of just like vent or just like talk to him about what's uh, on my heart. And sometimes he um, will help me think through things. Sometimes he'll give me advice. But more often than not, he just listens. And that's sometimes all I need, as I just need someone to listen to me. There's another um, clear instance that I remember back in college. Um, when uh, This is back when uh, Brittany, my fiance, and I were first talking. Um, I wanted to visit her. This is during COVID, so long story short, I didn't know if I could. And... Basically, I was completely devastated. I, I remember being super, super sad. And so I was just in my room, silently weeping. Um, I'm like sitting on my bedroom floor, just, just crying. And uh, I know it's pretty dramatic. But, um, <laughs> but basically, one of my uh, roommates and one of my friends, Sam, heard me. And so I guess it maybe wasn't that silent. But, <laughs> but he came in and he sat by me. And he didn't say a word. Not a single word. He just sat by me. And I, and I cried for a long time. And, and after a while, he got up and left. And that was it. Um, but it, it didn't matter that he didn't say anything. His presence alone was enough to communicate to me that he cared for me, that he was with me, that he saw me. And I want to be clear that this isn't easy for us to do, right? Like, it takes a toll on us to be compassionate friends. We're all capable of being fair with our friends. That's easy, right? Anyone can do that. But what's harder is sticking with your friends when it gets rough. And sometimes the most difficult thing that can actually happen in a friendship, in a relationship, is conflict. And this leads me to my second point, which is pursuing friends through conflict. So some of you guys know what that Enneagram is. It's a personality test, right? It's nine different types. I'm an Enneagram nine, uh, which means I'm a peacemaker. Uh, that also means that my core fear is, is conflict. <laughs> like, almost nothing scares me more than being in relational conflicts with someone. And you might, you might be like, well, Jimmy, what's so scary about that, right? Like, um, but, but to me, it's like, conflict is something that can tear relationships apart, right? And, and even if it doesn't tear it apart, it can build resentment and bitterness and, and lead to, like, 
a slow, drawn-out, just dissolving of, of relationships. But as I've come to learn, conflict can actually be a true test of friendship. Um, I'd even challenge you guys and say that you haven't gone deep in your, your relationships with your friend until you've gone through some sort of conflict with them. Right? And, and when I say conflict, I don't necessarily mean a shouting argument or something that's super aggressive or intense. Right? It can just sometimes just be tension or a disagreement. Um, it can be you guys don't see eye to eye on something. Or maybe you're just annoyed at them. Maybe, this, maybe thinking about conflict makes you uncomfortable, right? It, it definitely makes me uncomfortable thinking about it. Or maybe for you, um, you've had your fair share of conflict, but you're just kind of disillusioned by it. Wherever you stand, I want you guys to remember tonight that conflict is healthy. Not to say that it can't be harmful, um, but working through conflict will almost always lead your friendship to grow in deeper ways than without it. So my old campus minister at WashU, SJ, uh, he would always say, we all need friends who are able to say hard things to us. Keep those friends close. And that's exactly what Proverbs 27 is saying, right? It's saying, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the words, are, are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Now, now just as clarification, we don't really use this word rebuke that often um, in everyday language. But it's basically referring to someone that's calling you out. They're pointing out that you, you did something wrong. They're, they're confronting you. We see here that the, the wounds of a friend are described as faithful. Right? These wounds aren't from a malicious, you know, attack from, it, from someone that you don't know. They're done out of love by a friend. And, and they're going to hurt. Wounds hurt, right? Like, there's no question about that. Um, but we can know that they're for our benefit when they're done out of love from a friend. We all need friends who are able to rebuke and correct us. Why? God's given us this gift of friendship to enjoy, but also to help each other grow in holiness. In other words, friends make us better. They sharpen us as iron sharpens iron. So when I was a student, um, my friend Kristen, uh, she led a uh, RUF Bible study um, she was also on staff at WashU. But hear what she has to say about confronting your friends. She says, um, quote, Do you care more about the person and the person's growth and holiness, or do you care more about the relationship? If you value the relationship the most, then you're not going to say anything because you don't want to rock the boat. If you care more about the person, you're going to be able, you're going to be willing to bring up hard things and tell them things that are maybe hard for them to hear. And remember, conflict needs to be a two-way street. Are you always the one confronting your friend? Or do they feel like they can confront you too? Now, sometimes conflict isn't just as simple as confronting your friends or being confronted by them. A lot of times we just feel that tension, right? We, we feel that something is off in the relationship. And it's something that's more felt than spoken. During these times, we're still called to pursue our friends. We actually know that we're not pursuing our friends through conflict when we, when we deal with it by gossiping, when we let, allow resentment to build and bitterness to grow. I, I'm very much guilty of that. Um, when we verbally harass our friends, when we avoid them, right, try not to talk to them. Or maybe we just kind of give in 
We just do whatever they say. We just do whatever we know they want to hear. I think sometimes we think that, like, that is the Christian thing to do, like people-pleasing, right? Sometimes we, we just, we're just passive-aggressive. I think we all know what that looks like. When these things are present, there's a good chance that something's not being addressed in your friendship. And I want to stress that there's no way around conflict, right? Those, those are all ways to try to get around conflict. We can only work through conflict by going through it. Another way that my uh, second campus minister, Tim Price, put it is that you just got to talk through the weirdness, right? You just talk it out. Um, and I think we'll figure out that when we talk through the weirdness, we'll find out that our roommate that was piling up the dishes wasn't doing it intentionally. They were just having a bad week. When we start to talk it out, we'll realize that, oh, maybe we had some unspoken expectations of our friend to ask us how our big exam went. And when they didn't, we kind of held it against them. When we start talking it out, talking to the weirdness, we actually allow our friends to see us and to understand us and vice versa. I actually experienced my first friend slash work conflict with Nathan. <laughs> um, this is like the first month uh, of working for RUF. And I had just graduated, just moved to Boston. I was feeling very overwhelmed with all that transition, right? Being in a new city with a new job. Didn't have too many friends. Um, and, I, and I felt like there was maybe a little bit of additional pressure coming from him. And I didn't want to bring it up, right? Because it was weird. I, I just started uh, to get to know Nathan and I didn't want him to think that I couldn't meet his expectations. So, and I'm also very, like I said, very conflict avoidant. But what I started thinking is that if I don't address something, this is going to affect our long-term relationship. So I was like, maybe it's a good idea to bring this up. And so I did at one of our one-on-ones, one of our meetings. And it was met with kindness and understanding. We were just able to talk it out. He was able to kind of, tell me that he was kind of going through a hard time as well. And I was kind of able to realize that I had actually never really thought about his, how he was doing with my transition on staff, right? So like, what was he experiencing with me coming on? And let me just say like, after that conversation, our trust grew tremendously. And I, I feel like it was like, we paved a new layer of concrete over our friendship. Like it was just, it was stronger. It was like solidified. So I've talked a lot about pursuing our friends. But I think if we're being honest, if I'm being honest, we don't like to pursue. We want to be the one pursued, right? Deep down, there's a part of us that wants to be wanted. We sometimes try to find this in romantic relationships. And I think a lot of us, um, or a lot of our culture does that. But we're meant to find it in friendships. Like Nathan said two weeks ago, I don't know if you guys remember this. He said, we like to be liked. But if we're putting all our hope in friendships, we're going to be disappointed because friends disappoint. That's just inevitable. So we actually can't pursue our friends well until we've recognized that we've been pursued by a better friend. And this better friend's name is Jesus, right? He's often referred to as a friend of sinners. He's called this because we're the sinners, but he wants a friendship with us. He likes us. He wants to have a relationship with us. He is a better friend that loves at all times. He is a better friend who sticks closer than the brother, like Psalm, or like Proverbs 18. 
He is a better friend who openly rebukes us and confronts us out of love through, through the Bible, through his Holy Spirit working in our hearts. He is a better friend like Proverbs 27, who he's a faithful friend, but instead of wounding us, he's wounded for us. John fifteen thirteen says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. He is this better friend that lays down his life for us. We, we talked a lot about compassion and conflict tonight. So how does he feel, fulfill these things as a true friend? Well, he loves us with compassion. So much compassion that he leaves his place in heaven, comes down to earth to be born as human. And he feels everything we feel, all our pain, um, everything it means to be human, he experiences. This compassion actually leads him to a death on a cross. He's a friend who also works through conflict with us. You might be wondering how. But the most significant conflict or disharmony that we actually experience in this life is with God. We've separated, we've separated ourselves from God because of our sin, because of our rebellion. Yet he enters into this conflict and Jesus restores us as children of God. The climax of this conflict is his death and resurrection. Jesus fulfills what it means to be a true friend. So instead of thinking about how you can be a better friend, maybe first consider how is Jesus a friend to you? How has he pursued you? Or maybe how is he pursuing you right now? I'll end with a few lines from this old hymn. It says, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrow share? Do your friends despise, forsake you? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield you. You will find a solace there. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would open our, our, our ears, um, open our eyes to see that you are the one that pursues us. You are the true friend that we need. Lord, I pray that this truth would shape how we see our friends, shape our friendships, and change us to, to love better, to love as you've loved us. Father, we need you. We need your pursuing love in our lives every second. Would you be the one pursuing us? Lord, we thank you for what a true friend we have in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.